Hey, Pastor Kevin Wallace here from Redemption to the Nation's Church, and I believe today God has given me a word that is going to speak to your life. Listen, we need strength and we need comfort, and today we're going to find it in the Word of God. Hang on, and I'll see you at the end of this message for prayer. Receive the Word. How many are thankful for the Word of God? Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to conclude our series this morning that we have been in for some time now on the armor of God. We called this series Battle Threads. Last week, we didn't get to preach. The Holy Ghost preached. And I pray today he'll preach again through me and in me. You know, sometimes if you were a first-time guest last week and you wondered, what in the world? I actually think we ought to be able to go to church sometimes and leave with wonder. I mean, I like leaving with a nugget. I like leaving with principles. I like leaving feeling good. But sometimes I want to leave saying, man, what was that, Lord? Because I don't know about you, but in this day of scripted, polished, packaged, neatly kind of church, I just believe hungry people are looking for something that makes them wonder. Jesus will make you wonder. When he got through healing people and left the synagogue, the Bible said they went home and they were wondering, what manner of man is this? And today I just want to thank God that there are those things happening in our midst that they defy our explanation. They defy our taking the credit for it. People are being healed. Got a message on Friday of this week that a man we prayed for in ICU on COVID, the family had been called in. We prayed for him. How many remember that Tuesday night prayer meeting we had for COVID or Monday night? It was for Monday night, and it was specifically targeted for people with COVID. We prayed for that dear brother. His name was on the altar. Prayed for that dear brother. They sent me a message. They brought him out of the ventilator, and he went home without any therapy. I know a name higher than COVID. I know a power greater than COVID. Hallelujah. Ephesians 6. And take verse 17. Today we will preach on the helmet and the sword. The helmet and the sword. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And take, go back for me, and take the helmet of salvation. Look at someone, tell them you have to take it. Mm -hmm. You have to take this armor of God. It's available, but look at somebody and tell them, take the helmet of salvation. Uh -huh. And take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Father, today I cannot preach without your help. And these people cannot be changed without the transformative power of your spirit working in us as the word is declared. We thank you for the washing of the water of the word. It cleanses us. And as we preach today, I pray there would be a cleansing in the house of souls and minds, a renewing of our thinking, 
May we not be conformed to this world, but may we be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Let the preached word bring renewal to the mind today. I thank you today, God, that people who have been in church and even been in religion for some time are coming closer to you and recognizing that there is more to you than just a religious Sunday morning experience. I thank you that you're alive and well and you're living inside of us. We have this treasure in an earthen vessel. So today, God, I pray you would preach and that the power of God would move while the word is being preached and we ask it in Jesus' name and everyone said, amen. Look at your number, neighbor, tell him, take the helmet and take the sword. Amen, amen. We have endeavored by the help of the Lord to preach for the last number of weeks on the armor of God. I will remind you that the armor of God was given to us not for the seasons of life where everything is happening like we want, when we want, and how we want. Paul said the armor of God is necessary for a specific kind of day. It is called the evil day. And I don't know how much worse it has to get in your life or in this world around us, I should say. I don't know how much worse it has to get in our periphery before we would come to the conclusion that we're living in an evil day. It seems that everywhere we look, there is this attempt of wickedness and attempt of darkness to enforce and, in, and uh, insist upon us this direction away from God, this direction away from the things of God. It wants to lure us into a place of, of idleness, into a place of hopelessness, into a place of giving up. And Paul is clear that when that day comes, the evil day comes, that there is a certain kind of outfit and attire that we are to wear. And Paul takes the time while he is in a prison to articulate the battle threads, the armor of God that we have at our disposal and available to us. And we come to the end of this today. We're going to talk about the helmet and the sword. And this is the last piece of protection that a soldier would put on is the helmet of salvation. Say the helmet of salvation. It's the Greek word perikaphalia, and it is this idea peri means uh, about or the circle of surrounding something, and then kaphalia, the head, the surrounding of the head. The helmet of salvation is that piece of Roman soldier equipment that protected the most vital and necessary organs of the body. It protected the eyes, it protected the mouth and the ears and the actual brain. And without this piece of equipment in the day of battle, in the time of warfare, the Roman soldier would have been completely exposed to battle axes and to swords and to hammers. And they fought, I mean, they were, these old brothers back in the, in the days of the Roman soldiers, they were vicious and they just swung mercilessly and whatever they hit, they were trying to kill. And the helmet of the Roman soldier was incredibly important. It surrounded the most important part of the soldier's body and that was the central system, the eyes, the vision, the ears, the hearing, the, 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 the sight and the brain activity. And so when Paul says, 
put on the helmet of salvation. Take the helmet of salvation. He's talking about that. Where's that helmet at, Chris? He's talking about, yes, that impenetrable, heavy, made out of iron kind of thing that the Roman soldier would wear so that he would protect himself. Yes, I don't know what that is, but he would protect himself in the heat of a battle. And you said, does it have that red thing on it? It actually did have that kind of thing coming out of the top because one of the things that they uh, that they would do with this helmet is they would, it was almost like bringing bling into the game. It was like bringing um, a, a, a statement. They were trying to make a statement. It was like almost like trash talking. It was, it was beautiful. It was flamboyant. And they wanted to know, not only are we not scared, we're bad to the bone. And, and so they had this kind of paraphernalia and this helmet, and I'm not going to put this on because I like my hair and I want to keep it nice today. But the reality of it is this is heavy. If you came and lifted this, this weighs a number of pounds. It's, it was made out of iron. It was impenetrable. It was absolutely vital to their protection. And too many warriors, too many warriors in the kingdom of God have attempted to go into places of battle without remembering to grab the helmet of salvation. I'm very concerned for the church and and, and I, I, I have to be the one sometimes to teach because if the people of God don't understand their salvation, I don't care how many gifts you have, the devil can deceive many people. And he has deceived many people, many gifted people into confusion and deception because they don't know the truth about their salvation. And Paul said, if you're going to fight in the war that you're in and win, you got to know that you have on the help. Come on, tell somebody next to you, take the helmet of salvation. Take the helmet of salvation. Uh, one of the places in Scripture where I believe Paul writes about salvation, I'm going to ask Chad to put this up. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 is a beautiful Scripture that we most, most all of us can quote this. But I want you to see this because this is Paul talking about a conclusive and a holistic salvation. And it says this, being confident of this, that he who has begun, everyone say began, a good work in you will carry it on. Say carry it on to completion. Say to completion. There are three things that I want you to see in that verse right there, and I want you to underline these three things in your Bible because this speaks to a holistic and complete salvation, a salvation that theologians would understand as a past, present, and future. Past, somebody say past. Present, somebody say present. Somebody say future. You have been saved... I'm teaching y'all this morning. You have been saved, you are being saved, and you shall be saved. You have been saved, you are being saved, and you shall be saved. Somebody say, I have been saved. Now, this is the salvific work of Christ in your past. Now, I don't want to get anybody nervous, but if we put an unedited film footage of your past upon this screen in the middle of this sanctuary, people would be crawling under the pew 
running to the back door and you would never don this house again if we could see some of the stuff in your past and y'all sitting up here acting like you came out of Gertrude's belly speaking in tongues and you've been saved all your life but I came to tell you that all of us have a past and the and the thing about it is every Christian has a past and every sinner has a future because when you come to Jesus, he doesn't go looking in your past and say, well, that was real bad. That was sort of bad. That was unbelievably bad. That's so bad I can't deal with it. No. Jesus said, all you got to do is come and confess that I'm the king of your life. And you got to turn from that whole life you've been living. And you don't even have to go back and remember all your mess. All I need to know is that you were want me to cleanse it and then I'm able to take your black heart, wash it in red blood and make it whiter than snow. How many are thankful this morning that your past as ugly as it is can't be found anymore? Watch, watch. You have a past and it's under the blood. Chad, put the next slide up on the screen for me, please. The next slide. Say, I have been saved. Let me teach you a word that some of you know, some of you never heard of. It's called justification. Justification happened the moment you repented of your sin and asked Christ into your heart. Somebody said, what in the world is justification? To make it simple, I don't want to be too elementary, but to make it simple, justification is just as if I had never done what I did. Justified. Just as if I'd never done what I did. Did I do it? Yes. How many can say you did some stuff? Come on, don't lie. You'll go to hell, right? How many can testify you did some stuff? Anybody done some stuff you regretted? Anybody done some stuff the devil tries to remind you of? Anybody done some stuff the devil tries to incriminate you and shame you for? Absolutely, we all have. But justification is not that God ignores it. It's that God looked at it and said, yes, you did it. But the work Jesus did by shedding his blood on the cross is greater than the sin you committed when you were committing the sin. You want some Bible? Let me give you some Bible. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he... Can we take a five-second praise break for the love of God right there? Somebody tell him, thank you for loving me. Even when we were dead in trespasses, Jesus made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together and made us sit together. Ooh, I like Jesus. How many thank God for Jesus? Watch. Watch this threefold blessing that has already happened. It's spoken of in the past tense. He made you alive, he saved you, and he raised you. And then he made you to sit down in heavenly places. 
This is all spoken of in the past tense in the original, which means it's a, it's a done deal. It's a done deal. So when something comes into your mind reminding you of something that you put under the blood, it is not God and it is not Jesus. It is the enemy whose only hope to destroy you is to remind you of a mistake you made and condemn you for the sin you committed and try to shame you into hopelessness. But Paul said what is under the blood cannot be retrieved in a court of law and used to condemn you before the throne of God. If Jesus is your Lord, his blood has justified you and if Jesus saved you and forgave you it's already been dealt with in the past somebody say amen Amen. secondly say I have been saved secondly go to the next screen I am being saved I'm getting ready to make some people real nervous if past tense salvation is being justified Presently then, what is happening in me? That is the work of sanctification. My past is forgiven, so I'm justified. In my present, I'm becoming more and more like him, thus I am being sanctified. Come over here and teach some Sunday school class this morning. We don't talk about sanctification in the church no more. The old saints, all they preached on was being sanctified. All they preached on was becoming more and more like Jesus. Now we preach and it's about a a new thing or another season or a new wife. I got some people real nervous right then. Just woke you up out your sleep. Tell somebody, tell them I am being saved. I have been saved. My past is under the blood. But in my present, I am being saved. He's sanctifying me. Let's read some Bible here. 1 Corinthians 1.18. For the message of the cross is to them who perish foolishness, but to those who are, but to us who are being, somebody say being, 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 being saved. I am saved. I'm as saved right now as I'm ever going to be. You can't get more saved. You know, some churches do this. They got a saved crowd and a more saved crowd and a most saved section. And the saved people sit in a certain section and the more saved people sit in another section and the most saved people sit in a special section. But in the kingdom, there is no more saved than saved. You can't get more saved than I'm thankful that although I'm not what I'm going to be, I am not who I used to be. I'm saying this for some people in this room who feel like you're not where you ought to be yet. Let me help all of us understand something. None of us are where we should be. None of us are where we could be. But all of us saved are not where we used to be. 
So sister Yeye, you and your judgmental self pointing your long religious finger at people who don't look as holy as you and act as righteous as you, sit your hips down and let the grace of God work on the rest of us because what we need in this hour is a church that loves people enough to tell the truth but loves people enough to let the truth have an opportunity to work in their lives. My daddy's here this morning. He sits on the second row. When we go fishing, we catch the fish. And then we went down to Florida. Me and the boys and dad went down to Florida. We got on a boat. We caught the fish. I mean, we caught the fish. But I didn't clean the fish. Me and daddy and the boys took the fish to the cleaning market. And the people with the right tools, I'm getting ready to do something right here. The people who knew how to clean the fish took the time to take the fish we caught and clean them so that we didn't waste what we caught. I wish I had some help in the church. And what we got in today's church is a lot of people who want to catch fish and clean fish. But look at your neighbor, tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, you are not the Holy Ghost. I love you and your suit looks cute and your hair looks nice, but you are not the Holy Ghost. The last time I checked, it is the Holy Ghost that'll make a man or woman live right. It is the Holy Ghost that'll straighten out a crooked marriage. It is the Holy Ghost that'll knock the alcohol out of the alcoholic and the rebellion out of the rebellious. If you're going to get some people cleaned up, you better quit trying to clean them. You just catch them and let them in the boat. Let the Holy Ghost the Holy Ghost cleaned them. He cleaned them. He cleans us with the washing of the water of the word. And this word here, sanctification, let me, let me hit it and move on. I'm going to teach some more on this the rest of this year. Sanctified means set apart from and set apart to. And I am continually being set apart from for the express purpose of being set apart to. Now, growing up, we taught sanctification mostly on one way, one side. And most of the time, we taught sanctification as coming out from sin. Y'all wasn't raised like I was raised. <laughs> and I'm thankful for how I was raised. Wouldn't take nothing for it. But I'm going to tell you right now, we didn't go to the movie. We didn't go to the beach. And if we did, we put on blue jeans. Somebody said, you was holy. No, I wasn't holy. I was hot and ugly. Uh-huh. I, I, I want you to understand something. I believe in running from sin. Job said, eschew evil and do what is righteous. The problem is sanctification cannot be understood or grasped simply by denying flesh and sin. Sanctification is partly set apart from sin, but if you don't set your self unto God, then while you're running from sin, you'll eventually run back to it if you don't run to the lover of your soul. In order to break the sin cycle, you can't just hate sin. You got to get closer to the heart of God and fall deeper in love with Jesus. So I'm being saved. And here's what I need to tell everybody. We're growing. Come on, tell your neighbor, say we're growing. Don't Beat yourself down or let the devil beat you down 
if you don't get all your mess straight overnight. Y'all, I'm going to share my mess with y'all this morning, some of my stuff. Can I tell y'all that there are things and attitudes and stuff in me that God is still working on me? Y'all can't handle this. Y'all, huh? y'all you're not going to put me under pressure. I'm going to tell them my story all by myself. I want you to know there are still attitudes, ways, thought processes, and thought patterns that I continually have to put under the blood. And I find myself walking in greater measures of victory the more not only I deny myself in the flesh, but the more I spend time in his presence hosting his spirit, loving his spirit. You and I are growing. You are not there yet. I'm not there yet. In fact, we don't graduate until we pass or the trumpet sounds. Okay, so watch this. I'm going to hit this and I'm going to, 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 to go to the next one. So I, I have been saved. That's justification. I am being saved. That's sanctification. Number three, I will be saved. That is glorification. One day, I'm going to see him and John said, I'm going to be like him. Ooh, my soul gets happy when I think about it. I have been saved, I am being saved, and I am going to be saved. And let me give you some scripture. Uh, Romans 5, 9, much more than having now been justified. See, I told y'all. So I say justified. Having been justified by his blood, we, what? Shall be saved from wrath through who? Jesus. So Christ was sacrificed once to take the sins of many away, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but what? To bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Here's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. The first time he came, he came, and they put him on a cross to pay for sin. But the next time he comes... Lord have mercy. The next time he comes, Tim Ashley, they won't tie him to a Roman whipping post. They won't march him up a hill called the Via Della Rosa. The next time he comes, they won't put a crown of thorns in his head. The next time he comes, they won't smack him on the cheek and pluck his beard and mock him as the king of the Jews. The next time he comes, he's not coming to bear sin because he already bore sin and he took the sin of humanity, put it on his back, nailed it to a cross and three days later he rose from the dead and I came to report to you that according to Acts 1-8 this same Jesus who was taken up on a cloud is coming again a second time and the next time he comes he won't be paying a sin debt the next time he comes he's going to roll up his sleeves and he's going to look every enemy of the saint in the eye and the last enemy that he's going to deal with is the one called death oh death where is thy sting oh grave where is thy victory somebody thank God for the second time that he's coming Now, this ain't in my notes, but I feel like praising God that he's coming back again. I want to tell you that the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and the trump of God shall sound, and the dead in Christ.
shall rise and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord slap three people tell him he's coming soon he's coming soon he's coming soon and the next time he comes he's not coming for a Roman cross he's coming for me and you he's coming to give us victory I feel oh God I want to praise him And while I'm at it, let me tell you this. The Antichrist can't stop him. The left can't stop him. The right can't stop him. Democrats can't stop him. Republicans can't stop him. They sit in their room and they conspire against the Holy One of Israel. But God sits back and laughs at the plans of man. Because at the end of the day, I read the back of the book. We will win. Slap somebody and tell them we win. I feel like we ought to praise him like we're going to win. I feel like we ought to give him praise. I feel like we ought to shout, yeah, with a voice of triumph. We win. We win. Ow! Slap your neighbor and say, hey, neighbor, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you feel like, but put on the helmet of salvation. You're going to win this fight. God's going to give you victory. Somebody shout yes. I've got my helmet on. Sit down. Taking my time. He said, put on the helmet of salvation. Past, present, and future. There is only one other time in all the Bible where Paul talks about the helmet. It is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 8, and 9. Look at this and let me go on. But let us who are of the day, be, look at somebody tell them, I'm not of the dark. Mm -hmm. If they didn't say that, get your purse, your wig, your toupee, get it all. Get away from them. Tell them, I'm not from the dark. Tell them, I'm from the day. I'm not a child of the darkness. I'm a child of the light. Paul said, let us of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love. Watch. This is the only other time he speaks about the helmet. He said, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. This is why we can't give up in the day of battle. That one little four-letter word right there, hope. Look at your neighbor and tell the neighbor, hope, 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 hope. Uh -huh. Hope, hope. It means a confident expectation of a good outcome. A good outcome. 
When I was 10 years old, I got to go. I feel like preaching today. When I was 10 years old, I got in the car with some of them old prayer mamas in my church, and they took me to a camp meeting. And back then, we put sawdust on the ground. I was 10 years old. I still remember the shirt and the blue jeans I was wearing. I got in the, I got in the car with Sister Dot, Sister Pat Quinn. Sister Pat Quinn, her hair went down to the ground. Now, you didn't know that because most of the time she had it in a bun. But when the Holy Ghost got, would, would get to moving, her bobby pins would start shaking loose. And before that service was over, the hair that was up on her head was underneath her feet. She played the maracas, the tambourine, and the harmonica all at the same time. She had a maraca in one hand. She had a tambourine in the other hand. She put this head thing on her head and had a harmonica. And when she got under the anointing, her hair would shake loose and it looked like Cousin It playing a harmonica. And they packed me up in that little van one night and they took me down to Brother Swaggerty's camp meeting. And they said, there's a 10-year-old boy in this church tonight under the tent with sawdust on the ground. And they said, we understand that he's got a song to sing. And so I went up to the microphone and the tent was packed. Sawdust all over the ground. They said, what are you going to sing, preacher? I said, I'm going to sing. I've got a feeling everything is going to be all right. I want you to know that was 32 years ago. But I still got my helmet of salvation. And I still got a confident expectation of a good outcome. I've got a feeling everything is going to be all right. Slap your neighbor, tell your neighbor, say, hey, neighbor. I wish you would tell them like I told you to tell them. Say, hey, neighbor. I've got a feeling everything is going to be all right. My family's going to be all right. My children going to be all right. My church is going to be all right. My future's going to be all right. My nation's going to be all right. God is going to move in our situation. Somebody shout, yeah. I got to go. Put on the helmet of salvation because it's a helmet of hope. You and I are going to win. I got to go. I for real got to go. But before I go, Paul said, oh, go to that last verse. That, la that next slide, maybe I'm wrong. Yes, I have been saved from the penalty of sin. That was my past. I am being saved from the power of sin. That's my present. I will be saved from the presence of sin in my future. Let me give you this and I'm going to get out of your way. The next thing that Paul tells them is to take the sword of the Spirit. Now, I want you to understand something. I'm a dangerous man. <laughs> How many got the, the Word of God inside of you? You might want to go to the courthouse tomorrow morning and register your weapon. Yeah. 
Let me give you this and I'm going to get out your way. The Bible said take. Somebody say take. The helmet of salvation. Somebody say take. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, let me break this down and teach to you because there are two ways of understanding and knowing the word. I'm not trying to create an unnecessary division or, you know, let me give you something you've never had before. That's not what I'm trying to do, but I do think it's important for you to know in the Bible, there are two words used when we talk about the word. They are not the same. There is a difference on purpose, and I, I intend by the help of the Holy Spirit to explain the difference between the two meanings. Number one is logos. Everyone say logos. L-O-G-O-S, logos. The logos is the very expression or written word from God to you and I. Everybody have a Bible or a, something with a Bible on it? Lift your Bible up. This is the logos. Say logos. It's the expression. It's, it's, it's the very... It's the very heart of God communicated to humanity. This Bible is not just a collection of fables. It is the written word of God. The Bible is the logos. Say logos. It is the very word of God communicated to us through the pen of holy men who were moved upon by the Holy Spirit. Some understand this to be one book, but the Bible is actually a collection of 66 books, which is called the canon of scriptures. These 66 books contain history, poetry, prophecy, wisdom literature, letters, and apocalyptic writings, just to name a few. These 66 books were written by 40 different authors. These authors came from a variety of backgrounds. Some were shepherds who wrote this book. Some were fishermen who wrote this book. Doctors wrote this book. Tax collectors and tent makers wrote this book. Kings and prophets wrote this book. They wrote it while living in palaces. Some wrote it while living in prison cells. Some wrote while roaming wildernesses. And most of these authors never even knew each other personally. Of these 66 books, all of them were written over the span of some 1,600 years. Yet again, this is a reminder that although these authors never knew each other, they were inspired by the same Spirit because this word, line upon line and precept upon precept, is in harmony with itself. Say amen, somebody. This Logos Bible, this word from God was written in three languages. The Bible we have was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. The word of God, this Bible, this Logos was written on three different continents, namely Africa, Asia, and Europe. Once again, it's a testament to although there are different varied historical and cultural circumstances of God's people who wrote it, it is in harmony despite the various writers, despite their various contexts from which they wrote. Over multiple centuries, this word is harmonious. It is in agreement. It is current regardless of its age because it was written by the ageless one. Its prophecies are true. Its facts are accurate. This is the word of God. And I'm thankful for the Logos because without the Logos word of God, we would not know God. I found Jesus because someone told me, John 3, 16, 
I found Jesus because someone told me he was wounded for my transgressions, bruised for my iniquities, the chastisement of my peace. I found Jesus because of what is written in this book. It's logos. Everyone say logos. But there is a different word, and there is a different word used for word of God in the Bible. It's not just what is written down, but it's a Greek word called rhema. Everyone say rhema. Logos is the expression, the, the, the written expression of God communicated to us. But there is something in addition to this logos. It's called rhema. It's really not in addition to the word. It's just the way the word works in our life. Understand this. Logos is God making his word available to you. Rhema is when God makes what is available yours. It's not just available, it actually is your word. Uh, logos is a general word. Rhema is what is specifically yours. People always talk about, I want a rhema word. You can't have a rhema word without having a relationship with the logos. Because if you don't know the logos, there's nothing for the Holy Spirit to pull out of your heart and make available to you. That's like saying, I want to speak Spanish, but never studying a Spanish book. Some people want to hear God talk to them, but they won't even read what he said to them. How can you know what God is saying if you don't know what he said? I ain't help, oh Lord. And we have people who want a deep spiritual, I heard God, and you ain't read the Bible in two months. You don't want the word. What you want is some ooey gooey, pie in the sky version of God. And I'm gonna tell you, this is where people get caught up in cults and follow deceiving voices. Say amen, family. If you want the Holy Ghost to talk to you, read what he already said and watch how much he talks to you. Well, you know, I heard a preacher tell me one time, I've been preaching out of my book lately, okay? He said, uh, yeah, I, you know, all that I went through to get this revelation, I feel like they need the revelation of what God gave me and not so much of the Bible. Now, that sounds deep, but really it's ignorant. And anybody listening to that nonsense is ignorant. And I don't mean stupid, I mean you just don't know what the Bible teaches because you can't have, you can't have this experience with God where you don't apply yourself to the word and then all of a sudden get rhema, 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 rhema. If God's talking to you, he's confirming what he already said. Watch this, watch this. I'm closing with this. He said, take the sword of the spirit, which is the rhema. So lo he didn't say logos. He said rhema. What's the difference? Here's what he's trying to say. In the heat of a battle, you need the quickened spoken word to your spirit. How do I get a quickened spoken word? It works like this. If you have a relationship with the word, you can have an encounter with God at any given moment where God highlights and speaks 
something from this book that belongs to you in the moment. He was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquity. How many know that's in the logos? Uh huh. And we can stand on that promise alone because it's in the logos. But when you're in the doctor's office and the doctor walks in and the doctor said, I found a tumor, you don't just need, lo- you need logos, but you need him to quicken that promise and make it your word. Am I making sense? How many have ever, you've been in a situation and you didn't know what to believe for and God quickened a word to you and faith came when God spoke that thing to your heart? Anybody know what I'm talking about? That's a rhema word. When the Bible said in Romans chapter uh, 10, I believe, 17, for faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. That's not me preaching the logos. That's, that can happen, but something happens when me preaching the logos becomes spirit-inspired and it speaks to you in your situation and all of a sudden what I'm saying to a crowd becomes applicable to a person. Mark chapter 4 said the sower sows the word. That's logos. Mark chapter 4, when Jesus taught the parable about the sowing and the sower and the seed and the soil, that's logos when he said, and the sowing of the seed The sowing of the seed is the preacher preaching the word. That's logos. But when what I'm saying to everybody becomes your promise personally, that's rhema. And I sow every Sunday waiting on somebody to say, that was mine. When Devin ran up today and said, she, this is crazy how this works. She, we're down here dancing. Woo, praise the Lord. Woo, praise the Lord. She comes and the spirit of adoption is in this house. I said, what? She said, the spirit of adoption is in this house. There's some people going to adopt babies. Now, spirit of adoption is in this house. When she said spirit of adoption is in this house, somebody's going to adopt the child. If that's you, lift your hand. I watch people put their hands intentionally in their pocket like this. Nope. Nope. Richie and Steph were like, nope. Not today, devil. Not on your life. Right? I'm just kidding. But, 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 but I saw some people. Tears. Tears. I've been waiting. I've been waiting on somebody to make me feel like I'm not crazy. And when she said that, faith blew up on the inside. When this building I'm, you're sitting in right now was on the market and somebody called me and said, you know, you ought to go check that building out. My flesh said, that's too big for me. And Chris will tell you, I've told this story 10 times. We were standing at the Atlanta airport. I was on the third day of a fast. I wanted to know if it was God's will for us to buy this building. I did not think we were going to buy it. I was this close to saying no. This close. Because I didn't want to get into something too big and have an albatross hanging around our neck that we couldn't pay for. And I didn't know what we were going to do. And on the third day of the fast, I got a rhema word from a train operator in Atlanta. You say, that is not true. God don't talk like that. You don't know what you're talking about. God can talk through a donkey. He can talk through a train operator. If he can make a donkey who speaks who spoke hee-haw, speak Hebrew. He can speak through a train operator. 
Yes, that's right, Julian. I'm standing on the third day of a fast at a train. I am sick. I am tired. I've been preaching and I'm hungry. I wouldn't even feel spiritual. And I'm sitting there about to miss my train and the woman's voice comes on and said, careful. Doors are closing and will not reopen. See, some of y'all catching it right now. And Chris is jumping on the train and I drop my bag and tears start flooding my eyes. He goes, what's wrong? He's on the train. I'm standing outside. I said, the Lord just spoke to me. He said, what did he say? I said, he just spoke through that train operator's voice and he said, careful, doors, I feel the Holy Ghost on me right now. He said, doors are closing and they will not reopen. He said, oh my God, that is the Holy Ghost. We called, we called the real estate agent in the Atlanta airport. I said, get me an appointment in the morning. I've got a word from the Lord and we gotta look at that building. I feel the Lord on me right now. We walked in this building the next morning. Devin and I walked in. I looked up and I said, this is too big for me. And God said back to me, it ain't big enough to hold what I'm getting ready to do in Chattanooga. I want to tell you. Slap somebody, tell them you need a rhema. I wouldn't get married without a rhema word from the Lord. I wouldn't choose a neighborhood without a rhema word from the Lord. I wouldn't choose a church without a rhema word from the Lord. Well, I don't know if God will speak to me. That's what religion told you. But if you'll seek him in his word, he'll quicken his word on the inside. So let me show you this. Open your Bible. Let me give you a Bible class and I'm done in two minutes. Yeah, tune me up, Julian. Yes, Luke 1, open your Bible to Luke 1. Everybody hurry. We're going to Sunday school class real quick. Come on, open your Bible. Pull it up on your phone. I want you to get motivated to look into the word of God with me right now. Luke Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, where's my Bible? Yes, I stole my own Bible. Look at Luke. Come on, somebody say yes. Uh Uh-huh. Luke chapter 1. Some of y'all shouting because you taste the chicken already. Yes. Well, it's going to get cold today. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 1. Watch this. The Bible said that an angel showed up to a girl named Mary. Am I in the book? Verse 39. Pardon me. Verse number 26, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. He was of the house of David. Verse 28, and having come into her house, the angel said to her, rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And might I put a point right here and say, I'm glad Mary was pro-life. Y'all can get mad at me if you want to. But when the angel showed up, Mary didn't say, what's my choice? Mary said, be it unto me according to your word. Since I ticked half of y'all off, let me keep going. The angel said to her, 
Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. When she saw him, she was troubled at what he said and considered what manner of greeting this was. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus because he will be great and will be called the son of the highest and the Lord will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not intimately sexually know a man? The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Ghost will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And the one that was to be born will be called the Son of God. Watch this. Now indeed Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. Look at verse 37. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. How many heard that all your life? Nothing shall be impossible. How many know that preach is good? How many know we shout over that? How many know that's true, that nothing is impossible with God? But can I tell you what it says in the Greek? In the Greek it says, with every rhema word from God, there is enough power with the word to accomplish the word that has been spoken. In fact, in the Greek, it's a double negative, which we never do in English, but in the Greek, they permit it. And literally, let me read this to you. Literally, what it says in the Greek, mm-hmm. touch somebody, tell me you got to find this place. Got to find this place. In the Greek, this is what it said. No word from God will not have the power to bring it to pass. Rewind, Wallace. No word from God will not have the power to bring it to pass. One more time. No word from God will not have the power to bring it to pass. In other words, if he said it, it has the power with him so that it will absolutely come to pass. Guess what the word for word is? Rhema, which this is what God is saying. Mary, you getting ready to have a baby. Mary, I know you and Joseph hadn't hooked up yet. Mary, I know you don't feel qualified for this, but Mary, I told your cousin Elizabeth, she was gonna have a baby. Zechariah said, we're not gonna have no baby, and if we do, I'm not going to name it what the angel told me to name it. And the angel said, if you're not going to get with my program, I'm going to put a mute spirit on you so that you cannot conflict with my plan in the earth. Some of y'all ain't been shouting in a while because you're not with the plan of God. You lost your ability to praise because you hadn't been able to praise him for what he already said. But Elizabeth said, that promise belongs to me. And even in her old age, the one that they called barren, 
Aaron all of a sudden started having a baby bump because God's word has the power to accomplish whatever God said. In other words, if it's barren, by the time God gets through saying you're going to have a baby, that which was barren catches a hold of the power of God and begins to produce even though it used it was previously in a place where it could not produce. When God says something, stand with me. When God says something, it becomes a sword in your hand. And the devil. Have you ever gotten a promise from God you could not be shaken off of? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, you got something in prayer. I know I always tell stories about my babies. When Zion was born, y'all heard me tell this story, but what I don't usually tell is the dream Devin had. Months before Zion was born, Devin had a dream. In the dream, an old woman, a little old angelic type kind of lady came to Devin and said, no matter what happens to your child, I'm going to take care of her. Now, Devin woke up and told me that dream. And part of me thought, well, praise the Lord, she's going to be all right. And the other part of me thought, what's going to happen? <laughs> what's going to happen? And when she was born, and Dr. Curley knows what this is. When she was born, she was born with a prolapse cord at 4 a.m. in the morning. No doctors in the hospital at 4 a.m., only the nurses. The nurse who was real, she was real spiritual. In fact, she came to church a couple of weeks ago. Your nurse came to the church. I met her out in the front. I hadn't seen, I hadn't seen her in a couple of, actually, all, all these years I hadn't seen her until last week she came and said, remember me? I said, you're Zion's nurse. And she helped bring you into this world. Here's the deal. When she was born, she was born with a prolapse cord. The nurse said, we have minutes or she's going to die. I called my spiritual father at 3 a.m., 4 a.m. in the morning. I said, we need a miracle. Get up. Zion's born with a prolapse cord. She's going to die. And he was like, Ugh. and he started speaking in tongues, and I hung up and never called him back. <laughs> True story. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, I won't call his name, but a precious doctor who, to my knowledge to this day, is still an atheist, walks in the hospital room 4 a.m. in the morning, and he only came to check on a patient, and he heard the nurses screaming, Code, code, prolapse cord, prolapse cord. And he took her out of that room, Devin out of that room. And they wheeled her down the hallway. And I laid on that nasty hospital floor, spread out, beating on the floor. And while I'm laying there, what did I remember? The dream. And what the angel said in the dream to Devin. Whatever happens to your baby, She's going to be all right. I left a place of hopelessness. Suddenly, I felt faith rising because God is not a man that he would lie or the son of a man that he would change his mind. And what seemed like an eternity in a couple of seconds turned into screaming. I stood up with tears coming down my face. I stood up and I said, scream, baby. Scream. 
and I began to praise God. Do you know how many times it looked like the enemy was going to win? But the word of the Lord became a sword in our hand. And we said, oh no, devil, you can't have that. Oh no, devil, you can't do that. Boy, I better quit it because I feel like I'm getting dangerous right now. I feel like I could cut some stuff down and just start speaking the word of the Lord. What do you have in your life that the devil been tormenting you about? Telling you you can't, telling you it won't. Do you have a word from the Lord that I came to tell you no matter how dark it looks, no matter how bad it seems, heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of our God will stand forever. Hallelujah! I wish I could find some praises in here. It's about eyes closed. Two people I'm praying for. First, if you're in this room today and you're lost without God, last week 31 people gave their heart to Jesus. I came to tell you no matter how messed up, screwed up, no matter how horrible your life is and how many mistakes you've been making recently, I came to tell you about a God that loves you just like you are. He'll save you in the shape you're in. We didn't bring you in this house today to tell you how messed up you are and to tell you how hopeless your life is. We brought you in this room today. We, we joined you in this room. We wanted you to come to tell you that if you're lost, God's got a plan and a purpose for your life. You actually have a destiny and it's not a dead end. There is hope in Jesus. Uh-huh. The word of God says that he knows the thoughts he has for you. Thoughts of peace and not evil. So if you're in this room right now and you'd say, Pastor Kevin, would you pray for me? I need to give Christ my life. I want him to forgive me of my sin and give me new, new life. Give me eternal life. Forgive me of the mistakes and the sins. I need him to save me. Pastor, would you pray for me? If I'm talking to you, when I say three, lift your hand and Jesus is going. I believe the Lord's doing the work right now. Lift your hand if I'm talking to you. One, two, three. I need Jesus to save me. Just slip that hand up in the air. Will you pray for me, Pastor? Yes, I see that hand. God bless you. Anybody else? I need Jesus to save me. I see that hand back there. God bless you, friend. Everyone look at me. This is the most important thing we'll do today. This is why we come to church, and this is why we do what we do. It's because we believe Jesus is a Savior. He'll save you from your past, love you in your present, and give you a future. How many can say thank God? I want you to look at your neighbor right now. I don't care if you've known him your whole life or you just met them today, ask them this question. Do you need someone to go to the altar with you right now? And if you lifted your hand, or you should have, because you need Christ to save you, come stand with me. And Athens, right now, if you need Jesus to save you, I want you just to lift your hands, and they're going to begin to pray in the altar there. You're going to give your heart to Christ there. If you need Jesus, anyone that lifted their hand, or you should have. Come stand with me right now. I want to give my heart to Jesus. Anybody at all before I pray for the second group of people? Don't, I'll wait all day. Last week, last week was glorious. That was the assignment on the house last week. Can y'all help me praise God for the people who got saved last week? But if there's anybody in this room right now who wants to get saved this week, no matter what you've done, anybody at all, the second group of people I want to pray for are people who say, Pastor Kevin, I need the helmet and I need the sword and I want to put it on today. If that's you and I'm talking to you, lift your hand right now. I'm talking to saved people. I want to make sure my helmet's on. I want to make sure the sword is in my hand. I feel like the word of the Lord is coming to somebody this week. I feel like the promise of God is going to get quickened in somebody this week. I believe the spirit of the Lord is going to make promises on those pages 
jump off the page. And in your heart, they're going to begin to rise up and faith is going to begin to increase for what seems to be so impossible. Every word from God has the power to bring the word to pass. How many have a situation right now you need the word of the Lord, the rhema word of God to speak to you? Lift your hand. Lift your hand. Don't be ashamed. Yeah. You got a situation right now. You need some divine direction on it. You need a word for it. Lift your hand. If there's somebody up, got their hand up near you right now, would you just reach over and lay your hand on their shoulder? Would you do that right now? I want to pray for the word of the Lord to come. The word of the Lord to come. The word of the, there's wisdom coming from God. There's direction coming from God today. Not, not just written. It's going to start where it's written, but it's going to become quickened to you. It's going to become yours. It's going to become your word. Somebody in here needs a business word. The Spirit of the Lord is going to begin to give you a green light on what to do next. Don't be afraid. Every word from God has the power to bring it to pass. You will not bring it to pass in your strength and in yourself. You will see it brought to pass by the Spirit of God who speaks it. Someone in this room right now is in need of a relationship word. I want to tell you right now that God is going to give you divine direction. A word is going to be quickened in your spirit. And the Lord is going to give you the direction you need. Yes, Lord, we thank you for it. We thank you for it. Come on, just about another minute, another minute. The Lord's speaking. The Lord's moving. We're not in a hurry. We're not in a hurry. Speak, Lord. Speak, Lord. Mm. Speak, Lord. Speak, Lord. Somebody got a child situation they've been working on, and they keep getting worse, and you're trying to get a word on this thing. The Lord's going to give you a word. He's going to, I'm not talking about a Bible study. That's wonderful, but he's going to quicken the promise. I felt that. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And the Lord's quickening some promises to somebody about their children. And I feel like there's a mama in here getting a sword back for her child. I feel like the sword is coming back into your hand and the fight is coming back into your spirit. The devil has told you it's too late, but I feel the word of the Lord rising for some mama and a daddy and you are not going to see the destruction of your child. You are going to see the salvation of the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. There's somebody in this room right now that need a financial word. Yes. And I'm not just talking about you can't pay your bills, although there's somebody in here that needs to know your bills are going to be paid. And that one's easy because the Bible said, if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, everything you need will be added to you. But there is somebody in this room right now, I sense that there is a situation. It's a massive transaction. I don't even know who I'm talking to. And you're wondering, is it going to, be, is it going to break in our favor? Is it going to happen? There's a word being quickened to this family right now. The spirit of the Lord is getting ready to release supernatural increase over your house. I come into agreement with you right now. And that way when you pray about it this coming week, you don't pray wondering. You pray in faith because it's yours. Somebody say it's mine. Jesus, I bless you. And every family, lift your hand and let me bless you before we go today. This week, Father, this week, 
I pray for the people of God that the Logos would come to life in them. That the spirit of the living God would be quickened to them and become Rhema. I pray the abstract become concrete, the nebulous become defined. The intangible become tangible, the general become specific. I pray the word that was made available become my promise and their promise. Holy Spirit, I'm, I'm telling y'all, if you gotta go, go, but I gotta pray in the Spirit for just about two minutes because the Spirit of God just said to me, I'm unlocking things right now. I'm unlocking things right now. I, I'm, and if you don't know it, I gotta get on a plane so I, I can't just be a bad steward of time. I gotta be smart. But I'm telling you what the Spirit of God just said to me. Kevin, don't close this service without praying in the Holy Ghost because there's some things getting ready to be unlocked all over this house. And if I'm talking to you and you receive it, I just, if you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, I want you to pray in the Spirit, press into the Holy Spirit. And I want you to get in that place where you pray in that heavenly divine spirit-inspired language because he knows what you need and he's getting ready to unlock it for you for the next two minutes without anybody telling you what to do next. I need a whole house to be filled with prayer. Come on, close your eyes if you have to. Just begin to pray. Loose it. Loose it. Loose it, Lord. Break it open, God. Set it free. Set it loose. There's some stuff that was tied up. It's getting loosed right now. I feel despair getting out of somebody's life. Hope is coming back to somebody right now. Come on, 60 more seconds. Just pray. Just pray. Just lift your voice and pray. Jesus, I praise you. Jesus, I thank you for what you're doing. Quicken the word. Pray in the Holy Ghost over women of fire. There's a breaking and a loosing coming to the sisters this week. Yeah. There's a breaking and a loosing coming to the sisters. There's a fire coming to the women of fire. Come on, y'all, 30 more seconds of this. I'm telling you it's happening. I'm telling you it's happening. He's renewing your mind while you pray. He's loosing the yoke and the burden while you pray. Come on. Jesus, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you. I hear the Holy Ghost saying, I'm not through yet. That's the word of the Lord over some of the women coming this week. Devin, he said, tell them I'm not through with them yet. He's not through with them. There's a hope coming back to the women of fire. There's some sisters coming from all over this nation. Somebody lift up your voice and begin.
declare the yoke will be destroyed. The fire of God is going to burn. Oh, we praise you. We praise you. We praise you. We praise you, God. We praise you, God. Now I want us to leave today with some thanks in our heart and some praise on our lips for the word of the Lord that will not come back void. That's a patty cake. I said somebody give him the kind of praise even before it happens that you know it's already done because no word from God will come back void. Miracles, signs, and wonders. Miracles, signs, and wonders. In the name of Jesus. I bless them, Father, to have your word sealed today. The enemy will never take it. Not one promise you've spoken will fall to the ground and we declare it done for the glory of God. In Jesus' name, somebody shout, it's mine. Listen, I want to pray for you today. I believe this message is bringing uh, a strengthening to your faith. In fact, some of you have needs today in your life, and I want to pray for God to meet those needs. If you need healing, I want you to know that Christ Jesus is a healer. If you need provision, I want you to know that your God is a provider. Whatever you have need of today, nothing is too big and nothing is too small for God to meet it. Father, we thank you today for every man and woman that are watching this broadcast. I pray today for those who have needs in their life. They need you to heal them, Lord. They need provision. They need strength. Many of them need to be freed from depression and heaviness. And I just ask in Christ's name today that the power of your precious Holy Spirit would come up on them wherever they are. Break every yoke, meet every need. Jesus, you're a miracle worker and by faith, we thank you that the power of God is working in their life right now, turning everything around in Jesus' name, amen. Friend, we love you. We can't wait to see you next week on this broadcast. Until then, we're praying for you. You're in our hearts, and we'll see you soon. God bless.